Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Terrorism deaths are down, but not for long. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm here to help you cope with terrorism by telling you things that you will not be hearing or seeing in the mainstream media, at least not in this depth, and at least not from a psychological perspective. So today, um, as I said, terrorism deaths are down, but not for long. Why not for long? <laughs> because if this is only the calm before the storm, as more terrorists are trying to return home to their original countries in Europe and in the US and wherever else they came from. Now also, even though the deaths from terrorism are down, the number of countries affected by terrorism is up. So let me give you a little introduction to this. And then primarily I want to talk about what the, some of the issues are with um, terrorists wanting to return home now that the caliphate has been squished, <laughs> at least temporarily, um, squished and squashed, at least temporarily, we have this new problem. Uh, you know, it's terrorism didn't die because the caliphate um, is down and, um, and because uh, Baghdadi is dead. That does not mean that we can um, go out into the yard and play and feel safe. So the deaths from terrorism have, have decreased for the fourth year, um, the number of deaths, it's decreased by 52% by 2014, and that is from 34,000 to 16,000. Um, but that is an approximate number, and it is the number that was just released in a study by the Global Terrorism Index, um, well, the, the data was made available from the Global Terrorism Database and now is reported as the Global Terrorism Index. And this is what talks about global trends in terrorism over the last 50 years. And it has been particularly looking at trends since 2014 to correspond with the fall of ISIS. So that's where these numbers are coming from. Um, in, in 2018, the total number of deaths fell by 15%. The largest falls, the largest decreases occurred in Iraq and Somalia. And, um, but now let me tell you about the countries who are, um, how it is, has become widespread with 71 countries suffering from at least one death due to terrorism. 
And this is the high, second highest number of total number of countries. I know these, these statistics can be confusing, but we're talking about countries suffering from at least one death due to terrorism. So this number of countries has increased with, to, to 71 countries who have suffered at least one death due to terrorism. And this is the second highest number since the beginning of the century. So um, Afghanistan has the largest increase in deaths. And then three other countries, Nigeria, Mali, and Mozambique, also recorded a substantial increase in deaths from terrorism in 2018. Uh, each of these countries had more than 100 additional deaths. Now, so, so the point is, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of statistics, um, but the point of this is that even though the deaths have decreased, the number of countries have increased, and even more concerning is the fact that there are more terrorists poised as we speak um, to, to return home, or at least to try. And I'm going to talk about some of the issues involved for the different home countries in, as to whether or not they can, they will, they want to. Uh, well, they don't really want to accept <laughs> these people coming back. But for various reasons, uh, many countries don't have a choice. And there are, I'm going to talk about some of the options but really there are problems with each of the options when it comes to deciding whether or not and how to accept returning terrorists. Um, just also uh, a mention, the Taliban is now um, greater than ISIS, is now more powerful in a sense than ISIS as the world's ter deadliest terrorist group in 2018. Not necessarily more powerful overall, but in terms of accounting for the number of deaths the Taliban has accounted for more deaths, deaths in 2018 than ISIS. So let's, um, let me tell you some of these countries, and then we're going to go to these issues involved in accepting the terrorists back. So the number one country is, I, the, these are, this is a list of the, the countries that are worst affected by terrorism. So the number one is Afghanistan, two is Iraq, Three is Nigeria, four is Syria, five is Pakistan, uh, then it goes to 16 is Turkey. Now, I know you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not planning on going to Afghanistan or Iraq or Nigeria or all these different countries that I mentioned. However, um, the U.S. is number 22 on this list, and the U.K. is number 28, France is number 36, Russia is number 37, Germany is number 44, Greece is number 45, Belgium is number 53. Then it goes Sweden, Spain, Italy, Ireland, the Netherlands, Finland, and Australia. I mean, Austria, I'm sorry, Austria. Austria is number 84 on the list, so you get a sense of it. Um, now, there are different ways that they measured which countries were worst affected by terrorism, you know, according to their, um, their, the measures that they picked as being most important in terms of determining that. Um, one other, another interesting finding in these studies that um, are noteworthy, um, there is an increase in the number of women who have become terrorists. 
Um, and this is because ISIS has understood the importance of appealing to women and they were doing this in a very skillful way by tailoring their messages to women, to appeal to women. And these include messages of female empowerment uh, to entice Western women to the conflict zone. There were, have been almost 7,000 women, 7,000 women who traveled to Iraq and Syria to become terrorists because they want to be empowered. Um, they were not, in these messages that ISIS sent out, they weren't only portraying the women as mothers and wives, you know, helping the terrorists, but also as actual people involved as agents of change in creating and shaping the um, ISIS, um, the ISIS struggle, the ISIS, you know, um, war to, uh, to conquer the West. And um, the numbers, let's see, the trend of women participating in terrorism has intensified over the past five years with the number of female suicide attacks increasing by 450% between 2013 and 2018. Now during the same time, 2013 to 2018, male suicide attacks fell by 47%. So women, uh, female suicide attacks increased by 450% and men fell by 47%. And of course, that is um, because, you know, I mean, one of the reasons is because, uh, one of the reasons ISIS likes to use women, of course, for suicide bombers or suicide attackers is because the women were less suspected. When they would go into a place, they they were able to get into places more easily than men because they weren't really expected to be terrorists. And now this is all changing. Um, the number of deaths from in Europe, the number of deaths from terrorism fell again in 2018 fr from over 200 in 2017 to 62 in 2018. And there were only two attacks that killed five or more people. So 2018 was a calmer year than 2017 in Europe in terms of terror attacks. However, this is all about to change. And that's what I'm gonna be talking to you about in the next segment. Just all of the uh, complexities of uh, terrorists who left Europe, went to um, join ISIS in the Middle East, and now want to come home. So stay tuned, you're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about terrorism deaths are down, but not for long. And now I'm gonna to talk to you about the not, not for long part. Um, the calm before the storm is what I was just telling you about, where it seems like things have calmed down, particularly in Europe. But um, things are about to change. Um, according to the Foreign Affairs Council of the European Union, 42,000 people, I mean, these, these numbers are huge, and we don't really get the sense of this from the mainstream media. You know, it's kind of blurred. I mean, it is true that it's hard to know the exact numbers of various um, specific ways of looking at it, but 
according to the Foreign Affairs Council of the European Union, and they are very much motiva motivated to get the exact numbers. 42,000 people joined ISIS between 2011 and 2016. And it's estimated that more than 5,000 of these come from Europe. So it's interesting to think about, you know, where do the other people come from? Um, they, some of them do come from the US. Uh, and then one third, I mean, yes, so 5,000 come from Europe, more than 5,000 of these 42,000. I mean, that just, that number just does not seem right to me that there would be that few coming from Europe. But anyhow, then one third of the 4,000 Western Europeans who joined ISIS um, have returned to their countries. Um, the rest have either died or disappeared or are still in Iraq or northern Syria being kept as prisoners. Now, um, that is the, that's where the danger is coming from. And um, the, no, the, the country, in the European country with the highest number of people who went from France, went from their country, which is France, to um, the Middle East to join ISIS, France is the, is the one who sent the most people to join ISIS. Then comes Germany, then Belgium, then the Netherlands, and then Sweden. Now, they admit um, that it is hard to determine the exact number because they have lots of contradictory figures. Um, because really, you know, not everybody who left has been accounted for. I mean, in terms of knowing who left, uh, lots of people left, you know, slipped under the, under the wire, um, didn't make an announcement <laughs> to their country that they were leaving. Um, and, and, um, and so it's really very, very difficult. And of course, you know, it's not exactly easy to count numbers to do a census count in the Middle East. <laughs> particularly in countries where, uh, the, where there are the most ISIS members. Or, um, so, and then also, I mean, part of the reason why there's contradictory numbers is because there are also people who have dual citizenship. And um, when, then when you add the dual citizens to the numbers, there's at least more than 1,200 um, ISIS-affiliated European citizens in Syria. The number still seems really low to me. A, a, a total number of 42,000 and then to only have, um, you know, even, even um, 1,200 uh, coming from Europe. But in any case, um, then Germany See, see, they, this, yes, <laughs> you know, you can kind of go crazy looking at all these things because um, then Germany reports, I mean, these numbers, forget, forget these numbers that I'm, the number of people who I said joined, because Germany is now saying that since 2013, 50,000 people from Germany have joined ISIS. So that doesn't make any sense. 75% uh, of them being men. And then um, the majority of those who actually participated, you know, at the front lines are under 30. And there are, they, they, what they know of is 220 people who died fighting, and they th say that 350 have already returned to Germany. Um, 
I'm not going to read you any more numbers of people who came and went because this is kind of. Um, now, what is interesting, however, so, okay, so we know that the numbers are uncertain and they are most likely larger than what um, Europe is estimating. Because for many years, for, you know, um, they, Europe has been ignoring its citizens who became ISIS soldiers. Um, some, for some reason, some of them have thought that it's like bidding good riddance to them because these people were a security threat. Um, and then, uh, you know, it was easy when they were still in the Middle East before the end of the caliphate, it was easy to say, okay, we had X number of people who left, good riddance, they're gone, but <laughs> we don't have to worry about them. But now um, the ISIS terrorists are taken prisoners, they're in prisons, they're in camps, and now there is a whole debate about what should be done about them. And of course, Turkey, is uh, entering into this now. And Turkey um, has imprisoned ISIS members. And Turkey and the US, and also the families of the children who joined ISIS, they have been pressuring the governments to bring their children back and put them on trial rather than um, you know, letting them stay in the Middle East under these horrible circumstances and so on. So in Germany, which, um, you know, as I said, had the second, well, to the extent that they know how many people are there, um, supposedly Germany has the second highest number of people who left to join ISIS. Um, but people in Germany, families in Germany are angry that Germany hasn't been welcoming back their family members. And so they have been taking to the streets, they've been filing lawsuits, um, because Germany hasn't been welcoming them back. Then there was a German uh, father, for example, who had two sons who joined ISIS as minors. And he said that the German state told him that his sons had died, but now he heard from his sons. And so they are alive. And what, you know, the meaning that the German state lied to him, told, telling him that his sons were dead. Um, so the German government is just kind of using uh, various excuses, bureaucracy, and actually they're trying, basically they're trying to stall taking people back um, from ISIS as long as possible, hoping that they will die or disappear. Now, there are approximately five options um, for the European states to consider when they are trying to figure out what to do with these uh, terrorists who now want to come home. Um, the first one is what I said, trying to stall and stall and stall until the um, people who went to join ISIS die or disappear, which of course is the, the most likely thing that would happen to them the longer they stay in the Middle East. Then um, another suggestion was made a while ago that, uh, and I think I mentioned this in one of the previous shows, um, where that it was suggested that, that they develop an international judicial platform to be established to, um, to, decide, to, to decide what should happen to these uh, terrorists, these returning terrorists, uh, in terms of 
each country, in other words, taking into consideration the differences in the legal systems of the European Union countries um, and trying to make sort of a uniform way of dealing with these people who want to come back. A third option is um, having all of these uh, runaway terrorists um, who, who are to have them, instead of having them come home, have them detained, specifically detained, not just, you know, running around, but like um, identified and detained in Iraq and Syria and tried in the courts, the Iraqi courts, and serve their sentences there. But a lot of European states don't want to do this because, um, well, for a number of reasons. One was Iraq asked for uh, $2 billion to do this, to try the cases in their courts and to support them in their prisons while uh, until, well, until they're dealt with and then after they receive a sentence. Um, but a lot of European, uh, of course, you know, nobody wanted to pay $2 billion, $2 billion with a B, dollars. But in addition to that, uh, the sentences that could be handed down in Iraq include capital punishment and torture. And so, of course, European countries don't want that to be possible for their citizens, even though their citizens left to join ISIS. And well, let me let me stop here and take a break. And when we come back, I'll tell you some more options that the European countries have. And don't think, um, I know people listen to this show from all over the world, um, but if you're listening in the US, don't think um, that this is a European problem and oh, that's too bad for the Europeans. This is, you know, what happens in Europe um, doesn't stay in Europe. And this is a, um, sort of a, a, a an omen or a, a you know allowing us to foresee what will eventually could eventually uh, trickle down to the US as well there are you know there are people um, who left to join Isis and who are still in the Middle East and who want to come back to the US so this is not just a European problem all right stay tuned we'll be right back Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. We're talking today about the calm before the storm. Even though the deaths from terrorism have decreased, the number of countries affected by terrorism have increased. But what is worse than that is the impending release of all the terrorists, all the people who left from European countries and other countries, but we're focusing mainly on Europe today. Um, all the people who, are, who left to join ISIS are on the way home, <laughs> or wanna be on the way home if they have anything to say about it. So um, I was telling you about the different options that the European countries have uh, in, faced with this imminent return. So a fourth option is that, um, I, I was saying one of the reasons, uh, in terms of the third option, one of the reasons why the European countries didn't want their citizens tried in Iraq um, is because they could get the death sentence. But um, so a fourth option is, at least France and Germany tried to um, put forth a fourth option, which was to request from Iraq 
that the death sentences that would be handed down to their citizens, to the citizens of France and Germany, be turned into life sentences instead of death sentences, life sentences. And this idea leaked out into the press and um, it did not get a great reaction because people realized that this would make uh, any European country that agreed to that beholden to Iraq. In other words, they'd be asking for a favor from Iraq to not kill these people. And that, you know, that's like, um, that's like holding prisoners for ransom. So the last, fifth and last resort um, to deal with these people coming back would be to strip them, the people who want to come back, who came from European countries, strip them of their citizenship. And some countries have begun to try to find legal ways to revoke these people's citizenship, but it's they're finding out that it's not really um, as easy as they might like. They just they can't say you're not a you know a citizen from this country anymore just like that. Um, if the per if it means that the person will become stateless, like in other words, if they ha if they're not a dual citizen. So they can revoke the citizenship, a European country can revoke the citizenship of their citizens who have dual citizenship or those people who are in the process of getting another country's citizenship. Um, but you know, it, you can't do it retroactively in cases where the person has later been found to provide to have provided false information or concealed certain information. So it's all very tricky. And um, they, so they're trying to, the, some of the countries are trying to enact uh, legal amendments where they can uh, take back citizenship. So in Germany, for example, they made it possible to denaturalize German citizens who participated in armed conflict in Syria after they reached the age of 18 in Germany. So if they left Germany after 18 and they participated in armed conflict uh, in the Middle East, then they are no longer citizens of Germany. Um, but, but these amendments to the laws are only going to be good for future uh, situations, future people who leave and participate in wars. It doesn't really help with the people who are now sitting in the Middle East and Turkey and, and you know, wanting to come home. Um, so it seems like all these options don't really, aren't really easy to put into effect. And so it seems like the only thing that European states can do is to take back their citizens and try them at home. And Germany and the Netherlands have already agreed to cooperate with Turkey and do just that. However, <laughs> that is not a great solution either because, um, because um, it is not easy to, to do that. I mean, because of the sheer numbers, you know, the, the numbers that keep changing, but these sheer numbers, um, uh, is you know the the idea that there would be this number of people who tried in courts and then punished and held in prisons and so on it's it's a huge 
um, number of people. So, um, in fact, there were some of the people have already returned to um, Germany, at least. Some people have already returned and, and undoubtedly to the other European countries as well, but they've kind of been slipping back in. Now there's this whole huge number that wants to come back in. And of course, since there were the um, Paris and Brussels attacks that were carried out by people who returned, you know, who were ISIS members and returned to Europe, um, that is making Europe, un understandably, a lot more frightened of just um, casually or, or what, um, generously taking their citizens back who went there in the first place. So, um, so you know, of course, what they want to do, what the European states want to do is to put, you know, carefully monitor these, uh, their citizens coming back um, as soon as they return, because they are serious security threats, as I mentioned, they have been sort of come, some of them have been coming in little by little under the radar, um, and in fact, perpetrating serious attacks like the ones in Paris and Brussels. Um, so, so in in Germany, they are they have started um, giving citizens the right to return, but you know they are working on trying to arrest them, detain them uh, when as soon as they enter Germany. And um, so since they want to do this like ASAP, as soon as these people come to their borders, they are they have been asking Turkey to provide information on all these German. Uh, ISIS members, so that they can try them knowing exactly what it is that these German citizens had done, so that they can, you know, particularly the more they were involved in actual combat, the more crimes they were involved in, the more they would be able to sentence them to longer terms in prison. Um, but, you know, I mean, think about it, how, <laughs> I mean, the, the Middle East is a whole mass of confusion and how to know who perpetrated what crime. I mean, this is like, even if Turkey really wanted to and tried hard and Germany was sending intelligence um, over there to to help collect this information, but it's, it's, it's such an impossible kind of situation to really find out all of this information. Um, so, um, they they really um th there's this whole thing is very very not only are the numbers of people very um difficult to to count the, to, to have an exact amount but it is also really difficult to uh, detain them and arrest them and and um at the border and to put them in jail and to um you know control them and monitor them and um the cost of this, I mean, they were talking about there's going to be 25 officers who would be needed to monitor a single ISIS member, a single um, citizen from a, a European country who comes back um, after having joined ISIS. The, the amount of manpower, the cost of, um, of 
watching them and then enrolling them in de-radicalization programs and which you know have not not all of them um have been shown to work i mean there's it's there's a big question mark on all of them actually uh de-radicalization programs um so now it is thought by that turkey is just going i mean there's it's a very tenuous time because turkey is just planning you know they want to get rid of them they want to get rid of all these european citizens because it's costing them money to keep them um and so so it is not really clear just how um how this problem is going to play itself out and um another concern is that for those people who have come back who have been in in germany for example who have um come back and who have been tried because there is a, a german it is part of the german penal code that being a member of a terrorist organization is a crime but those people who have been tried have been getting really light sentences because if all the they know you know at the at their trial if all they know is that they became a member of isis um they can only get a prison term of three to five years and there already have been people who have gotten those terms and they are getting to, close to the point of being released so it's like um even at best if people are caught at the borders detained tried um and if if more uh, evidence of their crimes can't be determined they're only going to be getting three to five years in even if they are able to go through even if germany can catch them and, and monitor them and keep them and you know keep tabs on them um and monitor them and all of that at best at least with the current laws if if they're going to get three to five years and it's really the problem, of course, is even more complex because even if they did get three to five years, I mean, we know that one of the places that is a hotbed, um, besides the Middle East, the place that's the biggest hotbed of radicalization is prisons, jails and prisons. So even, again, at the best uh, possible scenario, catching them at the border, detaining them, monitoring them, giving them a trial, giving them three to five years, what's gonna happen? They aren't gonna give up their, I mean, if they were that strongly uh, aligned with ISIS or aligned with terrorism of one sort or another, that they would leave their country and many of them left, you know, I mean, some of them were, um, many of them did not have uh, great lives. I mean, they were generally poor and, um, so on, not all of them, however. Um, and I mean, I think I was talking about that in, in a previous uh, uh, show about the statistics regarding all these, you know, the education and so on. Um, I mean, whatever their circumstances, socioeconomic circumstances, they left these circumstances to join ISIS. So just because they're back and they're in a prison and they're tried and they're, and they're with other people who um, did the same thing, it is only going to make them believe in these things more strongly and make them more angry. So I don't have a solution for you, <laughs> except to say um, that this problem needs, you know, the solution is not to just um, dump people who have been 
in the Middle East who have become ISIS members who are now in Turkey or, or who still, some of them are still just in the Middle East, not, not in Turkey, wherever they are over there, the solution is not just opening up the doors and letting them flood back to where they came from, because undoubtedly we will be seeing more terror attacks as these now trained terrorists uh, come back even more angry than they were before. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.